0: Thank you, gentlemen. (laughs) Well, let's take our Bibles and we will turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. As we come to this text, we have been going through the book of Revelation. We're taking a break for a couple of weeks from the book of Revelation, and we will be considering the Gospel of John. Now, what's amazing is John is the same author who wrote the book of Revelation, and in both books, the Lord Jesus Christ is focused upon as the God-man, the one who added to His deity humanity. And what an important time of the year for us to remember the Christ of Christmas as being the God man, fully God, but fully human. Now, why is that important? Many people love Christmas time because we're comfortable with the baby Jesus, the little baby laying in a manger. How cute, how sweet, how traditional. And there's nothing threatening about a baby that baby is weak, the baby is small, the baby is unassuming. And some people love that image of Christ, not fully realizing that, yes, that baby is Christ, but that baby is also God. And as God, Jesus will grow into the one who sacrifices Himself on the cross. Jesus will raise again. Jesus will ascend to the right hand of the Father. But this same Jesus is coming again a second time. And He will establish His kingdom on earth. And that Jesus will come to judge and to rule. And so, to have the complete picture of who Jesus is, we have to look before the manger and after the manger, to really understand him, and what I appreciate about the Gospel of John is here in the first chapter, John focuses on really understanding who Jesus is, and he begins that understanding by talking about the pre existence of Christ now. What in the world is pre-existence? Well, you might figure out. Pre means before, exist means exist. So the idea is Jesus Christ existed well before the manger. In fact, well before creation itself. And that's brought out here in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, when John writes the following. In the beginning was the Word. Now, when we look at this statement about Jesus, it would be easy to miss what John is saying about Jesus' pre-existence. We need to understand that Jesus existed well before the manger, well before creation. He was in the perpetual state of existence because He is God. At no point does God not exist. God always existed. Always, through eternity past, there is Jesus. Jesus is described in this text as the word. Now when we think of our word, word, what do we think of? We think of something that is able to communicate a concept or an object. By saying something, we know what it represents. We know that book represents what I have in my hand. That word communicates something. Well, the same thing is true about Jesus. Jesus is existing in eternity past, but He is the exact communication of who God is, what God is. He is the Word. And if we're really going to understand what this text is saying about Jesus, we're going to understand that He was always existing as who He is throughout eternity past, as the second member of the Trinity, as the Son, as Jesus Christ. So here, John brings us to the face-to-face truth that Jesus, throughout the beginning, was the word. And by beginning, he doesn't mean the start of something. What he means is this eternal existence in the past in this context. When we say the word beginning, we have the idea that something didn't exist and then it did. But when John is communicating this, we know that Jesus existed throughout eternity past. We need to understand that, to grasp that, if we're to really understand who the Christ of Christmas is. The writer of Hebrews talks about the aspect of Jesus revealing who God is when he wrote the following words. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. So the implication of this passage of Scripture is Jesus existed before the creation of the world. It was through Jesus that God created the world. And it goes on to say this, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. It goes on to say the following, He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus, as the word, communicates who God is in the ultimate way, in the perfect way. So much more superior than what the prophets had to say about God. The living God who lived among us, who was born in the manger, who existed well before that because he was the one through whom God created, He is Jesus, the one that we worship, the one that we celebrate at Christmas. But Jesus' pre-existence also communicates something else. Jesus, existing as God throughout eternity past, added to His existence as God, we call that deity. He added to that the flesh. In other words, humanity a physical body, God took on human flesh. In this first chapter of John, John states it this way, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this Jesus who existed in eternity past accepted humanity, took upon himself humanity, adding it to his deity. And although he had existed as God, he now comes to communicate God, to show the glory of God, to show us what God is like in the most perfect and full way. Something else John tells us in this first verse. In the beginning was the word, And the Word was with God. Now Jesus perpetually existed with God. Here's the idea. We have the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity has been the Trinity forever. And so what John is describing with us again is this idea that Jesus forever and eternity passed. Now I don't know about you, but with me, when I think about eternity either direction... In the past or in the future, because I see beginnings and endings to everything, the idea of God always existing before the world came into existence, wow, hard to grasp, isn't it? And when I think about God always existing into the future, at no point does He cease to exist, wow, Again, something that blows my mind, but what really blows my mind is, because of Jesus, the moment I trust Christ as my Savior, I exist forever in the presence of God in eternity. What a blessing. Jesus, the life giver, the one who is God, the one who was with God forever. Jesus speaks of this truth as he teaches. When Jesus prayed what is really the Lord's Prayer, a time in preparation for the cross, when Jesus spoke to the Father, John gives us some insight into who Jesus is by recording the words of Jesus. And listen to what Jesus says here in John chapter 17, verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence. He's preparing for the cross. And he knows that he's going to pass from this earth back into heaven. And he's saying, glorify me in your presence. Now look at this. With the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus was existing throughout eternity past. In fact, the way this is framed in the original language, when it says the word was with God, we would translate it maybe more accurately. The word was continually with God. That is the person of Jesus Christ who we worship more, so much more than a baby in the manger. The Apostle Paul in that great chapter, Philippians chapter 2, where he discusses who Jesus is and the fact that Jesus set aside all of the attributes that he once enjoyed as God and emptied himself of those things, no longer having the independent use of those attributes like omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence, in other words, being all-powerful, all-knowing. God set that aside to, became, to become a baby in a manger, and I want you to think about that. I wouldn't want to go back to being a baby from what I enjoy today. Right? The limitations of being a baby just as an adult. But imagine being the infinite God, the creator, the one whom angels worshiped to set that aside, to empty himself. I would want to hold on to that, but Jesus set that aside for us. And this is what the Word of God says in Philippians chapter 2, who being in very nature God, in other words, everything that makes God God, that was enjoyed by Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he didn't hold on to that position of equality with God, but he set that aside. He emptied himself of it, we're told in that text, to take on human form, humanity, the flesh. So here is our Jesus that we worship. He is the one who was preexistent. He was the one perpetually at the side of the Father. And then John also presents him as part of the triune God. Now look at the last statement of that first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And then he cuts to the chase, and the Word was God. When we say the word Trinity, or we talk about the triune God, this is a complex theological concept, but it's a biblical one. Although the word Trinity doesn't appear in Scripture, the description of God the Father being God... God the Son being God, and God the Spirit being God are all three taught in Scripture. The Scripture teaches us that God is one, God, but three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, if any of you find that doctrine hard to grasp, we all do. It's hard to wrap your brain around it because all I'm used to seeing is one individual manifested in one individual. But when we look at God, God transcends us as human beings. God is God, but He is three distinct persons. There are many illustrations that people try to use to help us understand the Trinity, but all of them fall short because we are trying in human terms to express who God is, and God is indescribable beyond our ability to explain Him. Perhaps the most helpful illustration I've found is H2O, water. Water is solid, ice, vapor, clouds or steam, and liquid. H2O is each one of those, and yet, They are distinct, separate. God is so much more than that. It's not God taking different forms. It is God continually existing as God, but yet as three persons. And so what we see in the Scripture here is the Word was with God and the Word was God. He is distinct from God because He was with Him, but yet He is God. This is our Jesus. And we need to understand Him as God. And here's the thing, a lot of people will look at Jesus and they feel comfortable with the baby in the manger. They may even feel comfortable with the good teacher, the prophet, those human aspects of Jesus. But they forget or they can't come to terms with the fact that Jesus is God. And it's always been something that people have struggled with, There are a couple of records of interaction Jesus had with the spiritual elite of his day. And one of those exchanges is found in John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8, Jesus was talking about who he is to the leadership of Israel. And this is what Jesus says to the leadership. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, now look at that next statement, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, let's talk about what's going on here. Jesus is having a discussion about who he is with these leaders of Israel, and he makes the statement before Abraham was, I am. Does anybody know what the Old Testament name for God, Yahweh, is translated as? I am. Jesus is making a statement here, I am God, and the leadership fully understood it. Because their response was, let's stone him, he's saying he's God. We need to understand that Jesus is so much more than just a teacher, so much more than just a baby, he is God. And should be worshipped as such. And so at Christmas time, as you set up your manger scenes, be thankful for God taking on human flesh. But don't stop there. Remember that Jesus is so much more than that baby in a manger. He is God. And He is worthy of being worshipped. One other exchange that Jesus had with the leadership of Israel was in John chapter 10. And Jesus once again was talking about his identity, who he is. And it says in the 31st verse, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him and Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father for which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, it is not for the good work that we are going to stone you but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself to be God. They understood the claims of Christ that Jesus was claiming to be God. And reaction to that was, I will pick up stones and stone him for blasphemy. Jesus is God and should be worshipped as such. But man didn't. Man rejected him. Something else that we see about our Jesus. The power of Jesus to mediate between God and man. And this is an important truth that I think, often is ignored or forgotten by us as believers. Jesus is the ultimate mediator. Now, what do we mean by mediator? A mediator is a go-between. Somebody who represents one person to another person to bring them together. He speaks for each one. He's a mediator. He mediates between the two. This is Jesus' role as far as God and man, and even God and creation. Jesus is the ultimate mediator. And we find this, first of all, in the second verse, when John talks about the position of Jesus as the mediator from creation. Look at verse 2. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, And without Him was not anything made that was made. Now again, this shows the pre-existence of Jesus, the fact that He existed before creation itself. But it also shows this role as mediator. Look carefully at the words of this third verse. All things were made what? Through Him. Now what does that mean, that things were made through Jesus? What it means is this, God the Father... Interacted with creation itself through the mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. All of creation comes through Him. Why is it important that Jesus fulfills this role as mediator? Because as mediator, Jesus is the one that we come to the Father through. Jesus is the one that I can have relationship with the Father through. And as the mediator of creation and the mediator of my salvation, Jesus is not just a go-between, but He is my go-between. He is the one who gives me access to the Father. This role of Him being Creator, this isn't an isolated passage of Scripture that talks about God creating through Him. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. This is speaking of Jesus. He is the one through whom God created everything, visible and invisible. In other words, everything. This is an important truth that we need to grasp about who Jesus is. The writer of Hebrews, once again, in that second verse. In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and then again, through whom he made the universe, all of creation, everything that exists. It was through Jesus. This is the one who accepted coming to a manger, setting aside all of that power, all of that glory, that he might live among us and die on the cross for our sins, Because of his great love. So much more than a baby or a prophet or a good teacher. He is creator. He is the mediator, the go-between between me and God. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ. Now look at this. Through whom... All things came and through whom we live. Equating Him with God, but also talking about this mediatorial role. He is the one through whom life comes. That's a beautiful teaching concerning our Lord. Something else we see in this text. And that is that Jesus provides the way to the Father. Look at the fourth verse. The fourth verse goes on to say, "...in Him was life, and the life was the light of men." Now, when this is talking about Jesus being the life, what is it communicating? We know from our Bibles that we are spiritually dead because of the fall. In the Old Testament, it describes a time where man rebelled against God and where death came upon all men because of that sin. We are born into sin. We are captivated by sin. And only through Jesus do we avoid the outcome of sin and that is spiritual death. In Jesus, we have life. Verse 4 reminds us that He is the source of life. When it says, In Him was life. Again, the idea is life perpetually existing in Christ Jesus. I believe that the creation of Adam was through Jesus Christ, the mediator of creation. And so when it says that He breathed into Adam and made him a living being, He is the source of life. Jesus Christ is the source of our spiritual life. When we place our faith in Him, we come into right relationship with the Father. He overcomes the penalty for sin, death, and He gives us life instead because Jesus Christ is the life. Jesus said this at Lazarus' tomb before he would go and prove himself to be the one who gives life. He said this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, while physically Christians die, spiritually we are made alive. And what the Scripture teaches us is, as a believer, as one who has found Christ, who has life from Christ, when I am absent from this body, I am present with the Lord. But something we'll see as we persist in our study in the book of Revelation is this, Jesus is coming again, and there will be a resurrection to life of this body as a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the life. And it is only through him that we find life. John records these words from Jesus when he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." So it's through creation that we get physical life and spiritual life, but then sin brought death. But it is through Jesus that we come to experience eternal life. And He is the mediator who brings that life. Jesus also said this. In John, chapter 20, excuse me, it was John who said it, and this is what he says. These things are written to you, or that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing You may have life in his name. This is how we find life, through Jesus. But then look at the last part of the fourth verse and on into the fifth verse. That life was the light of men. When Jesus came to speak these words of life, it was a light for men. Now what is light? Light is purity. Light is something that exposes darkness and reveals When I have something that I want to show everybody, I don't hide it in a dark corner. I bring it out where everybody can see it, expose it to the light. This is what Jesus did with the truth of God. If you want to know God, if you want to find forgiveness, if you want to have the right relationship with the Father, you come to Jesus. He brings you into the light into the truth of who God is and how you know Him. And as the mediator, He brings you into right relationship with Him. But there are many who refuse to embrace that light. Look at verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has overcome it. Cannot overcome it. Right? Not has overcome it. Has not overcome it. Look, Everybody tried their best to crush the message of Jesus. But what did Jesus do? He shone brighter, truer, demonstrated the love and the grace of the Father and demonstrated himself to be the mediator, the go-between, the one who brings us into right relationship with the Father. When we face This truth about Jesus, that He is the light, that He is God, that He is the one who brings us into right relationship with God, there's one of two responses that we can have. We can embrace Him as such and find Him as our Savior, or we can pursue the deeds of darkness and we can reject what God freely offers in who Jesus is. There were people in Jesus' time who found Him, and there were also people who rejected Him. Look at verse 10, and with this we'll close. 10 through 13. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. So again, this aspect of Jesus taking on human flesh, living in our midst. But then it goes on to say this yet the world did not know him. There was a rejection of who Jesus is, a resistance to the light that he brought to men. Verse 11 says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But then I'm so thankful for the 12th verse. Look at the contrast. See, there are not only those who refuse to embrace Jesus as the mediator to go between me and God, to bring me into right relationship with Him, there are those who receive Him. Look at verse 12. But all who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Amen. Jesus is the mediator. He is the one who brings us into right relationship with God. And when by simple faith we come through Him into right relationship with the Father, we find forgiveness We come out of the darkness into the light, out of death into life. We experience that because of Jesus, who He is, what He has done. This morning, I would encourage you to remember the Christ of Christmas, to remember Him as the one that God sent into this world to forgive us of our sins, to bring us right relationship with the Father, to remember that apart from this mediator, this go-between, we are helpless, hopeless sinners. But because of this go-between, this mediator, I can have right standing with God. In fact, I can become a child of God by simply believing on His name. Believing means simply this, We trust God. We take Him at His word. We count on the fact that what He provided for my forgiveness and for my salvation is sufficient to bring me into right standing with Him. I can add nothing to it. I can take nothing away from it. Jesus is my path to eternal life, forgiveness, and right relationship with God. Folks, that is the message Of Christmas. Jesus came to bring us life, to bring us into the light. So as you look at the Christmas lights and as you look at the manger and as you think about the Christmas story this year, don't fall short. Don't stop with the baby in the manger. Remember who he is. He is the creator. He is God. He is worthy of our worship. He is the source of light and life. And in Him, I can know God. Yes, I can even know that I know God by faith in Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this text. Thank You for the Christmas story. Lord, it is a story of such beauty, a profound truth, Let us not minimize it. Let us not, through familiarity with the story, become contemptible. But Lord, let us look to Jesus, the author of life, our creator, our mediator, our go-between, who brings us into right relationship with you because of what he did on the cross when he died on the cross for our sins. Lord, may each person here this morning grasp that message. And Father, if we are those who have come to that truth and believe it with all of our heart, let us fall on our knees and give thanks to you, gratitude for the salvation that you have freely given us in Christ. And Father, if there is one here this morning who has not come to that conviction, that belief in the truth of the gospel, that through Jesus they can have right relationship with you. Father, let them turn to you this morning and embrace that truth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.